Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. to the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I am your host, Johnny McKeown. Today is Tuesday, February 9th, but on Sunday, it was Super Bowl Sunday here in America. It's like a national holiday in a way. There's something so truly Americana about Super Bowl Sunday. From the limited edition Pepsi cans with the Super Bowl logo on it, bags of chips with a great big footballer on the front of the bag, Everyone's got their game day traditions, which usually just entails eating a ton of food, seeing friends, talking football. Of course, this year would be a different kind of Super Bowl, but there was something very normal about having a Super Bowl this year. And I found that a lot more people care about football than you realise. Everyone always has a take on the game, like why this team can't win or why this team has to. Or I got an aunt down in Kansas City. She's going crazy right now, so I'm really just rooting for her. And the game itself kind of shares America's youthfulness. Super Bowl 55, the 55th incarnation of the Super Bowl, was held on Sunday. Don Kreisman, an 85-year-old man, has been to every single Super Bowl, and not even the pandemic stopped him. Don was in the stands Sunday night in Tampa. The host, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Raymond James Stadium, looked fit to hold the event. First time in history that a Super Bowl's host stadium would have their team playing in the big game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The stadium wasn't full, but it, it did look it. 20-odd thousand people, that 30-odd thousand cutouts made the stadium kind of look at capacity. In Tampa's stadium, there's this 100-foot-long Buccaneers ship that stands proudly in the stand. It's kind of wild-looking, this great big pirate ship at the end of a football stadium, hundreds of feet in the air. It sails on Sunday, proudly showing the symbols of Super Bowl 55. There are cannons that are attached to the ship, and they reported before the game that they would only fire if the Bucks won on Sunday. And so to the game on Sunday night. Fireworks, confetti, and cannon fire. 31-9. to The Buccaneers defeating the Kansas City Chiefs with emphasis on Sunday night. And what can be said about Tom Brady that hasn't already been said? Certifiably, undeniably, without question, the greatest quarterback of all time. His feats rival the greatest achievements in sporting history. His career from the age of 38 to 43 is better than most athletes in their prime. It really can't be understated how extraordinary Tom Brady is. His seventh Super Bowl ring and his tenth appearance, he now holds more Super Bowls than most NFL organizations all time. Brady and Gronk linked up for a couple of touchdowns, making them the most successful QB passer duo in NFL postseason history. And all night, Tampa was gutsier with their play calling on offense, big receptions, and Fournette really mattered to their offense. Leonard Fournette was unemployed as of September, but Brady was a big part in bringing him to Tampa and on Sunday night, 89 yards, a running TD, 46 reception yards, a huge part of the game. The Kansas City Chiefs weren't able to use their offense because their offensive line was missing a key player, Eric Fisher, which then forced three players to shift and 
The Kansas City offensive line was in trouble all night. Shaq Barrett and Jason Paul-Pierre of the Bucks defense won their matchups, it seemed, every set of downs. Mahomes wasn't able to be himself in the game, and this led to the worst performance in his career. It wasn't a big offensive display like they said it would be. Bucks dominated all night. Penalties dictated a lot of the first half, but not enough can be said about how dominant these Bucks were securing in this victory and the belief that they would win on Sunday night. Wouldn't feel like a Super Bowl without having a chat with a friend, so I sat down, virtually of course, with my friend Derek Go. Me and Derek went to university together. He's a huge Bills fan and an NFL aficionado. We talked about the game on Sunday, his life as a Bills fan, and the state of the NFL as a whole. So here's my chat with Derek Go. Derek, thank you for coming on the All-American Brit podcast and talking about the Super Bowl. I really appreciate it. Oh, of course. Of course. Thanks for having me. So let's get right into it. What did you make of what did you make of the big game? What did you make of the Super Bowl Sunday? Well, um, like I said, uh, if you were to tell me that uh, Patrick Mahomes would go the entire game without scoring a touchdown, I would call you absolutely crazy the way I've watched that kid play this whole season. Um, it, it blows me away how the Buccaneers were able to hold him without a touchdown it's uh it's incredible and then uh tom brady coming from the patriots and changing the culture of the tampa bay buccaneers were a very talented team like they had all the weapons in the world but uh without a leader and it turns out that brady was that missing piece and uh i mean it's 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 crazy to to watch that come that team come together around one player and uh and then just truly dominate like the kansas city chiefs uh, I, it's crazy. I had the Chiefs winning, and uh, yeah, that result was uh, unbelievable. I think a huge part of the kind of deciding factor of the game was that KC's offensive line was just not able to handle the Bucks' defense, and in part that was due to injuries that that Kansas was dealing with, and it yeah. kind of displayed just how fine a dance it is that offensive line. Like it looks like just guys banging into one another, but one break in there. And the whole thing just gets thrown off of kilter. Like you said, Mahomes didn't score a touchdown. This is the least he's ever scored in a game. I mean, he was not protected in the same way it was. So it's like he was playing a different game and he had to kind of loop back in the pocket. And so was it was it really the offensive line that was the piece that was missing? I think that this was uh, a testament to old school football and the fact that you can have all the weapons in the world uh, and the game is still one in the trenches down there. Mm. Uh, like not having, yeah, having those missing tackles uh, that that the Chiefs had. Like completely, Mahomes was running for about thirty percent of all of his plays. All when he went back, every, about thirty percent of the time he was he was scrambling for his life. And even somebody as magical as Mahomes, uh, who I saw some of the most incredible throw, like some of the best throws I think I maybe have ever seen in my life, that Patrick Mahomes threw for an incompletion happened in this game. Like that throw that he made on the run falling and throwing it 25 yards into the end zone. Perpendicular like, to the, he's lateral to the ground and he's mid air. Superman. Redi- honestly <laughs> like, ridiculous. I, I unbelievable. And it, to, for an incompletion and, and something that we'll probably forget about in years to come. Cause right. These games, you don't, you don't remember the loser. You remember the winner. And, uh, and it's, I mean, the kid's magical and, uh, and I'll just, yeah, keep saying it. Yeah, like those missing pieces and that Bucks defense, that defensive line specifically taking advantage of the weakness on their offensive line, changed the game. Changed the game. 
I think we'll see Mahomes again. I mean, he's got an incredibly bright future ahead of him. The whole conversation leading up to it was this is his defining moment. If he can do it against Brady, then, then you know, now he's essentially the greatest of all time. I think he was dealing with an injury that people, you know, didn't give enough credit to. I mean, he was he was hurt and then he was in a situation that he'd never been in before. He was with guys that he just hadn't, he just, he just never had to play that way before. Oh, yeah. And you could see it. I mean... 26 passes uh, for 270 yards and two interceptions, mm. zero touchdowns. Mm. Uh, he wasn't comfortable. Like that's not a that's not a Mahomes spread. And then, did you think that Kansas's defense actually had a plan for the Bucks? It felt like they. I mean, Gronkowski was all. It was the matchups was always Kelsey versus Gronkowski, as well as this Mahomes Brady build up. And Gronkowski obviously had the better of them. Did Did Kansas City seem to have a plan for the Buccaneers, or did they just think that they could go out and play their brand of football? Uh, I I mean it's hard to say I don't know what Spagnola was what, what his plan was uh, like I said like the Bucks are they have they're sneaky they've been sneaky talented this whole time they have weapons comparable to Kansas City so near images of each other so I I can't imagine that the Kansas City Chiefs did anything particularly different other than scout team offense what essentially is their own offense on the other side during practice you know I, I just. I think that there were just too many holes and they didn't have enough fingers to plug them. It's Brady. It's, it's the way that Brady sees the field, I think. And, you know, you get to a certain age and a lot of players, they'll retire and say that like, Oh, but I can see the field so much better. And I can play the game, you know, see it with breeze or with Peyton Manning toward the end that they're seeing the game better than they ever have before. And they're like, they read defenses perfectly. Um, but it's their arm and their own two legs that can't quite carry them across the finish line which is what makes Brady, which is some of the, just the most, one of the most talented people I think they'll ever see maybe in a lifetime that he's doing that and pairing his mind with his body at age 43 still, and being able to, to take advantage of what, I mean, what he sees on the field and being able to make the throws um, without much of a fall off, like with his age, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I don't know what he, I don't know what his deal is. He's, he's on another level. I mean, he, he now enters this conversation of great in sport. I mean, yeah. the kind of achievement in sport by individuals, you can look at tons of different individuals. But the thing is that stands out about Tom Brady is that football is such a team sport. Mm. And I was thinking about it this morning. I was thinking, we're all going to talk about how this is Tom Brady's seventh Super Bowl. But there are probably 300, maybe 400 guys that follow in suit that have one or two or maybe three of those same rings that he has. But he's gone and done it with so many different guys now in a completely different league and a different team. Can you talk about the element of, of how football is a team game? I mean, e- evidence of that in Casey's offensive line. Like one guy goes missing, three guys are in a different place. You can have the most talented young quarterback in the league and still not be able to play football at the same level. Like as far as a team sport, like what, why is Brady so defined in that in, in this category now? That's I mean, that's a great Great question, a greatly deep question. Uh, I think that, you know, as much as football is a team sport, I think that the quarterback position is unlike many other positions in sport. Like you get a point guard in, in basketball that's somewhat like a quarterback, but truly like a quarterback is the leader of the of the offense on um on, like on the field. He's the, he gets the ball in his hands every single play, and it's up to him to distribute it correctly. He garners so much respect because of the history that he's come from and the winning culture that he's come from. So just by walking in the building, I think he garners the respect not just from his age, but from his winning pedigree that he naturally 
can can push teams over the edge because of uh, be, because of his, his innate win like winner we're going to get this done no matter what mentality it shouldn't be you know shouldn't be overlooked it's it's an intangible so you you can't really gauge it but you know it when you see it and then it brings the best out of the entire squad when you have somebody in the quarterback position know what they're doing be confident in what they're doing can listen to the coaches and execute a game plan it sort of relaxes the rest of the players and allows them to make the most of their own abilities because they know that at the very least the like the center of the football team at least on offense has got their back you've, you've obviously had to be on the end of a lot of Tom Brady and you've watched probably a lot of Tom Brady in supporting your Bills. Can you talk about being a Bills fan and dealing with the Patriots? And now the Patriots are very different and the Bills are very different. So talk a bit about being a Bills fan. Oh, man. All right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, I was a Bills fan just because, you know, I'm, I'm from the upstate New York area. Uh, it's the, basically the biggest sports franchise we got up there. Um, it's just all Bills. So didn't really have a choice. But I also had a Bills poster in my room before I was even watching football. My parents like bought one and put it up there. And I just remember my dad pointing at it and being like, you know, that guy, you see that guy? It's not how he talks at all. (laughs) (laughs) You see that guy? He, his arms are as big as your legs. And you just say that every single day, like every single time he's like, yeah, Bruce Smith. It was a poster of Bruce Smith. who was like the leading sack artist in the NFL, like some great players in the Bills. But long before I was, you know, even aware of him. Um, but he just post point to this poster every single day. He's like, his, his freaking arms are as big as your legs. And this just was like, whoa, you know, it's this crazy superhuman. So I like, so it kind of instilled like that football was like for crazy, like human beings. Like they're, they're for like these big, huge, athletic, fast people. So that made me interested in the sport just to begin with. But then, you know, the Bills, you know, they were terrible. It was mostly just watching a, a team string together a bunch of penalties and then the game would end, you know, like they could, they wouldn't, they would go a whole game. They would I, so many games I've seen that score three points, like field goals, couldn't even get in the end zone. So, I mean, that's for years, years and years and years like that. And, uh, and man, you know, so this, so this current regime, this Sean McDermott that's happened about three years ago and they came in from Carolina, uh, new ownership, uh, we had like a couple of years of Rex Ryan and realized that that's not the way that the, that the bills need to be run. So we went to Carolina and basically brought in Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, um, the GM uh, and the head coach at, you know, at the same time from the same area, from the same team. So they kind of came in with this same philosophy. And from that point on, you saw a fundamental change in an organization that had been discombobulated since like the nineties that the GM and the head coach were on the same page and they wanted the same players and they had the same philosophy and they wanted to build this together over a long term and not like we're going to go to the playoffs. I know it's been 17 years, man, and we got to go to the playoffs. And, and no, it's, it's just like we're, we're going to be patient. We have we're going to bring the players that we want to bring in and we're going to get rid of some of these star players with, yeah, admittedly bad contracts, but also this culture that w- was a clash. Like it was a culture clash that they just were like, we can't, and he may have all the talent in the world, 
We watched Sammy Watkins, this wide receiver, go out the door. And in so many other so many other greats that were like the only good players that were worth cheering for leave in the beginning of this regime. And I thought that this was absolutely insane. It was back in 2017. And and sure enough, they uh, they go to the playoffs that year um, because they are united around something more than just talent. They're like united around this philosophy of just consistent success, like of being consistent each week and that. Just if you can get down a sense of consistency, you can build from that. But we need to first like let this ground level, we need to just have a ground level. And so that first season was just setting the ground level and we had enough talent to bring us to the playoffs. And that was, an, that was incredible. It was, the city went wild. That was one of the best feelings I think I have ever had as a fan. Um, the first time they made the playoffs was, it was surreal. Like I, I, it's like, I still get like, kind of like tingly about it. Like I think about how, like, it's, it's hard to describe. And then, uh, and that philosophy just kept, you watched it happen. And it was, it wasn't something that they were saying. You watched him actually push, push an idea of like, we have a vision for this team and they worked for it and they trusted the process. And they ended up at the AFC championship game this year. And amazing. I mean, the, the last time that the AFC championship that they were there was in 93, you were two mm-hmm. years old, so and you've and you've grown up supporting this <laughs> team. That, and I think that that's one of the things of, of being like an enduring fan is that you kind of make this commitment to your team and this community. And then sometimes it can just be a long suffering, you know, <laughs> constant loss, yeah. dejection. And then to see it to see it happens kind of a bit overwhelming. And like when like supporting the Dodgers and the Dodgers won the World Series this year, I didn't quite know what to do with myself. I'd spent so many yeah. I'd spent so many post seasons kind of being like, oh god, it's just awful and. And, you know, to, to finally have that moment of, wow, like they've, they've actually done it. Were you able to, in, were you able to enjoy it a bit? This, this kind of, this stretch in this postseason this year? Oh, well, you know, as, as is everything this year, I think, um, I, yeah, it's very similar to like being a little overwhelmed and like the expectations are so high in, in, for yourself, right? That like, I should be like, I should be ecstatic right now. But I think a lot of that comes around comes with like being around other fans and other people that are feeling the same way. Right. And this year it's a little hard to feel that way. I watched that game in, in this apartment, I have a studio apartment here and I just, you know, watched it uh, here with my girlfriend and, and that was it. And she's like, she likes football, <laughs> but like, you know, it isn't like a, you know, like, like a crazy fan, like I am. Um, and, and it, it was hard. I think that like a lot of that, you know, it, with sport is that just you, it's the coming together to celebrate, um, look what humans can do sort of thing uh, and aren't you proud to be alive to watch you know to watch all this happen uh, I think at the essence and like and you want to share that with other people and then that's like one of the greatest thing about sports to me one of the exciting things for the Bills though is that they have they have a really bright future to talk about Josh Allen and, oh. and this team's going forward. Oh yeah, no, I mean I'm very excited, and that the coaching staff mostly is uh, still in place. So we all thought Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator, was going to be a head coach somewhere else. Um, same with potentially our defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier. So those would have been two fundamental like blocks in this is in this like slow build to the AFC Championship. Those would have been huge losses. The ability of Josh Allen has always been there, but it was the uh, it was the accuracy that was the big issue, and it was his uh, his erratic play 
he get into a position where he was clearly going to be sacked and then try to lateral it to an offensive lineman for no reason, like just some backyard street kid football. And like, and normally would just go completely awry. It'd be a fumble and, and all this insanity, like, and he would be like, that's not what a stable quarterback is supposed to do. He's got all the talent in the world, but this frantic, uh, the way of putting it all together, like the game would just get him all hyped. And I think the biggest growth that we've seen in this season in particular is, is his uh, ability to stay calm in the pocket and make like smart decisions, throw the ball away when he needs to. But then also this, this big accuracy question, um, whether he would improve, which historically is some of the, something that when you come out of college, it does not improve. Um, it's just one of those things you can have all the strength in the world, but your accuracy is your accuracy kind of, that's just how you throw the ball. Um, and uh, he improved it by 10 points. His, his accuracy percentage went up 10 points this year. And, you know, to the point where he's contending for an MVP against Aaron Rodgers this year is, um, I mean, it's incredible. And it's a testament to the stability of this, that this coaching staff has brought to the, brought to the team. So I think onwards and upwards, we got all the pieces together. Really exciting times in Buffalo for sure. And I think you've got lots to look forward to there. Like you said, uh, Josh Allen, you know, up against Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers did get the MVP. What did you make of Aaron Rodgers the end of that season? And does he go back to Green Bay? Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is another like you know enigma. He's just this crazy, uh, crazy talent, and uh, and he's he's a, he's an example of somebody who is a winner who has everything, but he's sort of hamstrung by the talent and the coaching staff that's kind of been sporadic around him. Yeah, I thought that was an incredible season, and I would really, really be surprised if he left Green Bay. I, I mean, the the owner came out about this, like um, when all these rumors were flying, if he would leave, because you know clearly that after the game interview that he had, he's so clearly unhappy and doesn't know what the future holds. And the owners were just like, "We're not idiots. We're not going to let this guy out of our building. We understand what we have here. We are not going to let this guy go." So, I mean, they're going to do I did it find it interesting that those comments came after Matthew Stafford signed for the Lions. And I know that when we were arranging this interview, I did say yeah. that I thought Pat, that I thought that Rodgers could end up at the Rams. Yeah. And literally the, the Stafford news broke and then the next day they come out they and make this big defense <laughs> of Aaron Rodgers. So there's sure. there, I mean there, there wasn't, you know, no question marks around that. Yeah. Um, no, I yeah, I think I yeah, you're right. It's uh but they they they've come out and done the right thing. Like they, they there's no there's no reason why Aaron Rodgers should be leaving that team this year. Absolutely not. No. Like they they, I mean because they had Jordan Love. I, the biggest thing was that they drafted a, a first round quarterback behind him, and that's what sort of got everybody uneasy. Uh, but if they let him go, he he is Green never Bay. Hit the end of that. He is um, Green Bay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'll <laughs> yeah. never hear the end of that. Absolutely not. Speaking of Matthew Stafford to the Rams, do you think that the Rams gave up? The Rams gave up a lot to get Matthew Stafford, and I think that's because they think they have a team to win it right now. Mm-hmm. Is Stafford the guy that's going to put them over the edge, or did they kind of maybe give up a little bit too much in this one? I think they may have given up too much. Uh, I, you know, that said, there is a pathway to to a deep playoff run, but they have no cap space left. They have Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. Matthew Stafford and everybody else is going to be rookie contracts. It's just going to be whatever they can fit. Cause they, 
like Jared Goff, um, sending Jared Goff off is like admitting that one of the greatest mistakes. They just signed him to a large deal like two years ago and sending him away. Like they're, they're just eating like $20 million in cap space. And this year, like the cap is going to be extra low. I think it's 185 million on um, a team and he's, and he's, they have to pay him 20. Um, so 20 of that is, is going to somebody who's not even on their team. And the rest is to Aaron, the superstar Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, and now to Stafford. And then you just have to hope that those three pieces are enough. And then that, that like you can build enough of a team around them to, uh, to, to take it very deep. Because if I think that they're setting up expectations, like if they don't go all the way this year, that it, and they've given up, they've given up like first round draft picks into two, like 2023, 20, mm-hmm. maybe, yeah, 2023. So they're they're really this is this is all in. It, it'll be a disappointment if they don't go all the way. So uh, you know that's a, it's a boy. I hope McVeigh can put make some magic happen with this with Stafford here because he's got a long road to hoe. First time in NFL history that two first round quarterbacks have been traded for one another. So bit of NFL history there. What are you looking forward to in this next season? Obviously your Bills, but are there any other teams that you kind of keep your eye on in the offseason that could shift something, make something crazy happen? Well, I think that just keeping up with this crazy coaching carousel that's happening right now. I mean, not only the the, the coaches, but like the quarterbacks, there's still other ones out like Carson Wentz. Like, is he going to stay in Philly? Uh, Sam Darnold, is he going to stay with the Jets? Like, that's an in-division thing that I'm going to be thinking about a lot. Like Deshaun wants and what's going down there in the Texans. Like he wants to get out of the Texans and like, and then is, is Jimmy G staying in San Francisco? Are they signing him again? Or is he, is he maybe, is he maybe out to new England? I don't know. I've got, I mean, I'll, I'll be keeping up with that. I've got my theories about where all those guys will land. Keeping an eye on the jets will be an interesting one this year because they've got, I mean, a question mark with Sam Darnold, but they've got a brand new head coach, Robert Sala from the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, He's the DC and he was incredible, incredible DC. Uh, and everybody's like just speaking so highly on him uh, about like his leadership ability and that he's been dying and he's just been destined to be a head coach from the very beginning. So the Jets will be a totally different team with Adam Gase out of the building. I mean, you had seven coaches, cho- coaching positions in the, like this year, just like go up. And I think that might be unprecedented. Like this is only 32 of these jobs. And seven of them just blew up this year. You got the Jets, obviously, the Texans, the Eagles, the Falcons, the Lions, the Jaguars, and the Chargers. Those seven, like seven positions for head coach. I mean, they'll just be fascinating to watch. Like, obviously, they've got their people in place, but uh, but just like a lot of change, a lot of change, a lot of new philosophy is going to be put in place from the head down. It's a head coaching position, such an interesting position. Some are very hands-on. Some are like calling plays. Some are just like assembling like teams to, you know, teams of coaches to put together like a great offense or a great defense. It's uh, it's a lot of turnover this year. And uh, I think next year, next season is looking to be like a just totally, totally different. Like the landscape is going to be completely changed. I think that's one thing that's really exciting about NFL is that every season can be end up being really different and a testament to what Tampa Bay did this year. They went out, went crazy this time last year, and now they've got a Vince Lombardi trophy. So it, uh-huh. it can happen. It can happen really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Brady's got 
He's got his seventh, and yeah, and then Tampa Bay's got their second, which is which is really great. I love. I mean, Tampa Bay is hard not to when you like really dig into the team. Other than Brady, it's a it's a really fun, loving team. Uh, and I and the head coach Bruce Arians is such a is such a great great character. Um, I'm really, they're both. I mean, Andy Reid or Bruce Arians. If either one won, it like would have been fine by me because I love those two head coaches and couldn't be more deserving people on the biggest stage. Uh, yeah, Tampa Bay. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, what else can you say? Congratulations for sure to the Tampa Bay. Yeah. yeah, what else can you say? Derek, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and having a chat with me about the NFL. I'd love to catch up with you in the future about the uh, outcomes of some of the offseason and lead up to the new season. And I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, anytime you want to chat, Johnny. I want to thank Derek for coming on the podcast and talking about the NFL, talking about the Super Bowl. I didn't have the exact number on me during the interview, but 258 teammates. 258 the number of teammates that have played alongside Tom Brady in his 10 Super Bowl appearances. He answered a big question on Sunday night, whether he wanted to come back and he wants more NFL action. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers will be trying to repeat next year, but big questions will still loom around the league as we head into the summer, as Derek was saying. Big head coaching positions, key quarterback positions. You'll be sure to hear about Major stories regarding the NFL here on this podcast as we look ahead to September 9th when kickoff occurs again, opening day in the NFL weekend. But as one season ends, another one begins. 48 days till opening day of the MLB season. Premier League football still to crown a champion. But next week, my focus is going to be on the NBA. We're going to be getting caught up on some of the big events of this early part in the season, checking out some of the big stories and scores coming in from the league next week. And I'll also be talking to my good friend, Austin Rydell. Angelino, Austin is a huge Lakers fan and a Clippers fan and an NBA fan. and It all makes sense next week. Till then, for the All-American Brit Pod on Believe Podcasting Network, I am Johnny McEwen. Be sure to follow me at AABritPod on Instagram and Twitter. And until next time, take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.